0: Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: Future Future stage. Stage.
2: Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast Season 13 Opening Episode Future State Part 1 of 4. I have with me my co-hosts. This is
0: Steph.
1: And this is Theo.
2: And I'm Ian and I'm very excited to start out the year of Batman Universe Comic Podcast with my good friends Steph and Theo. We have Two issues to cover today, plus Greater Gotham, and these are going to be a bit bigger because they they advertise these as having backup stories, but they are actually... Really hefty stories, 15 to 20 pages each. So it's basically like we're reading five comics this week instead of two. So we don't have any real news. We're expecting solicitations at the end of this week, possibly by the time this podcast drops. But it has not happened on Tuesday when we record. So we're just going to mention that we have a brand new developed website at TBU, uh, TheBatmanUniverse.net. I think it looks fantastic, really slick, and it loads really quickly what do you guys think
0: Love it it's it's a totally different feel but it's still tbu
1: i am i am still getting used to the to the layout but Mm -hmm. god is that that sucker fast
2: yeah i mean (laughs) i think we all uh got used to clicking on the website and then doing something else a bit while it loaded (laughs) I think it's great. I think it really will bring the website a lot more functionality. We also have a new biography section where we can uh, let the fans who come visit us know a bit more about ourselves. So if you want to check us out, you can always click on our names at the tops of articles or podcasts. And if you have any feedback, feel free to join our Discord community linked on the sidebar or at the top. Actually, I think it's the top bar now. Or leave us a comment on Twitter. We're happy to respond or talk to you about Batman comics or Batman in general anytime. So, without further ado, let's get started. We have Future State, the next Batman number one.
1: Future State, the next Batman. Story one, the next Batman. Written by John Ridley, art by Nick Derrington. A masked dog runs through an alley carrying giant knives. He's accosted by Batman who disarms him and takes him out. As the perp falls to the ground, Batman is confronted by two officers of the GCPD who attempts to, rest, to arrest him. Batman gets away as the cops realize he's captured a wanted serial rapist. Batman looks over the city and realizes that he shouldn't look to, look at himself as a in. He's Batman now, and Gotham City is his city to protect. In Little Santa Prisca, The bane Lido gang is holding initiation. Nestor and Eddie, brothers, are looking for protection by joining, and Rico is giving them the pitch. To join in is simple. All they need to do is man up and blood in. Rico hands them a gun and a couple of Bane masks. Following the advice of his mom, Lou Fox visits a Gotham hospital to visit his sister, Tam. As he walks in, he finds that she already has a visitor, his brother, Tim. They argue over Tim's presence. Tim, who refers to himself as Jace now, has had enough and decides to leave. Luke is left alone with Tam, hoping that his unconscious sister did not hear the altercation between the brothers. The detective Chubb pays her former partner, Whittaker a visit as he takes, some in, takes in some practice swings. She misses him and remembers him as being friendly to the mass vigilantes in the city and questions him about a rumor of an ex-cop who might be helping the other side in doing one last job. Whitaker, however, brushes her off. The Bainledos are driving through hype territory when they recognize a hype soldier strolling alone down the street. Rigo tells the brothers, Nestor and Eddie, to mask up and prepare to complete their initiation. As they approach, Nestor takes aim, but is disrupted by his brother as he fires, missing the intended target. They turn their vehicle to run the fleeing guy over, but they're stopped by Batman. The vehicle crash as Nestor and Eddie takes off. Batman disarms Rico and the Bane driver. Batman eventually catches up with the brothers, asking them to give up before the peacekeepers arrive. Nestor urges Eddie to shoot Batman, saying he will allow them into the gang. Eddie turns the gun over to Batman right as the peacekeepers arrive. The peacekeepers begin firing at the three masked beings. Batman uses a smoke bomb to get himself and the two brothers out of harm's way. With no debts, Batman sees it as a good night. But will it last?
2: So, let's get our, our reactions first. This is something we've been hearing about for a year. We have the specifics going to us in the summer with Fandome. How does it feel now that we have Future State? the next Batman in our hands now.
0: I liked that, I mean, unless you are paying attention to, to you know, the extracurricular reading, <laughs> you don't know for sure or at all who Batman is. And I like that. And I like that they really, they're setting up a lot of different tangents to the story. It's, well, it's you, definitely like...
2: Can you elaborate a bit? Because playing coy with... Batman's identity is actually the thing I am frustrated with. So what, what really? advantage does it give to you as a reader?
0: Well, you're thinking like, okay, who is it? So we have Luke, we have Tim, they possibly could be it. We got this partner that we haven't met yet, uh, Tanaka. Maybe he's got something to do with something. Uh, then there's the retired cop who's, I don't know. I think they're all parts of the story and you have to wonder, well, what part are they? And I, I don't know. I, I like not having everything handed to me when i open opened the book. I like having to get to a different course to get, figure out what's going on.
1: I, I, and, I, and I agree. I agree with Steph because again, if it wasn't for Ridley, you know, in DC doing what they typically do and ruining you know, or spoiling the story by saying, Oh yeah, it's Tim Fox, you know, cause again, you know, all we knew, you know, with the comings of future state and, and John Ridley's, Batman was that it was going to be someone of color. Everybody pinpointed on Luke, you know, when it, again, spilling more about the story, they said that it was going to focus on the Fox family. So, of course, everybody, you know, leans in and and focuses on Luke, you know, even after Tim arrives in... I'd like to point out that I did
2: not lean in on Luke after Joker Wars. (laughs)
1: And so, you know, when you 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 know, see, he made me lose my train of thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, you people were leaning in, you know, since you know you were giving these hints. But you know, if if DC had not spilled the beans on the story before they did, I think it would have been a great surprise going into this first issue, knowing, not knowing who batman was um, well i think
2: if you didn't know who it was you still wouldn't know at the end of this issue
0: no you wouldn't and that's what i'm saying is i kind of like that is i want to know okay because i kind of hate it when you open up a thing and it's like oh blank is blank now and it's like Ugh, but why uh so this i get to see them in action kind of free of of prejudice free of uh what's the word i'm looking for maybe it's just prejudice but free of uh bias i guess and i he Expectation, maybe. And so I'm just, he's showing me what he can do. Okay, you're, you're all right. You, you, you aren't as, you know, I'm Batman. And he's like, I think I'm Batman, maybe. <laughs> but he's trying. And I like that. And, and just, he's not, he's not done anything that I'm just pissed off about yet.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, again, for me, there is the way the story is written, just going through the pages, as, as Steph again mentioned earlier. There is nothing in there that says, oh, that's Tim. As a matter of fact, you know, you get to the panel of the next day and the way that Luke is talking to his mom. it You know, again, if you didn't know it was Tim based on it, would make you think, oh, it must be Luke because Luke is just waking up, you know, in this afternoon. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, and, you
1: mm-hmm. know, and, and that would have been great had had DC not spilled the beans, even though we wouldn't have gotten the big reveal until the second issue, it, it, uh, you know, sometimes DC shoots itself in the foot. Sometimes people want to be surprised. I know I do. I mean, I agree that DC
2: shoots itself in the foot all the time. But I actually my my philosophy going into this is that I want to be excited about this character. Um, I don't. I agree you can overhype something. You can be like, oh yes, this is the best Batman. This is the the greatest Batman and I think that DC is not doing that, and that's to their credit, but I I would have liked to have Tim be a character in something. Maybe Batman, maybe a backup series in Batman, maybe a mini series, sort of like Sword of Azrael, where they led into him becoming Batman so that I could know yeah. who he is.
0: Or at
1: least
2: build, get to didn't know, didn't know him, forever. because yeah, right they, now, didn't build at all.
0: right, yeah, we I, had, right the, now, what, I we had
2: that. I do not know who Tim is. Like, I know what Luke thinks of Tim, but I don't know how much of that is true. And I trust Luke because he's one of my favorite characters. So I am sort of biased against Tim right now, but I know he Tim's supposed to be the hero. So I'm just I'm really struggling because I don't feel like I got enough about who Tim is. Um, and because they're they're trying to make this a mystery, even though it's not a mystery to us who know about the the cover for the second issue, it I feel like I'm being played with. So I think this will probably fare better for me when I'm able to read all four issues together. But right now I'm I'm really struggling with uh, the way they've chosen to structure this story.
1: Yeah, especially without especially without, without any type of build, because again, in in this continuity, you know. Tim is either mentioned or seen in two panels in two separate issues. There was the Joker war zone story where, um, Lucia's wife tells him, you know, we have to get Tim home. And then there's the one panel in Batman where Tim is just leaning on the wall. And between those two things, you, 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 Know nothing, and even through this, it's you know you're a third, maybe you know a quarter of a way through the issue before Tim comes up again, and you know again if it, if it wasn't revealed that this guy is going to be Batman, you 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 surely wondering well who the hell is this
0: yeah that's true and i i want to say i like the concept of not knowing because it gives you the opportunity to get to know tim but like you guys are saying they really made no effort whatsoever of getting to know tim <laughs> before i, mean, I revealing... will say
2: this like we know about batman that he's trying that he's not too cocky but he's also not timid like he's like i am batman but he's also not mm-hmm. like i'm the only but like you can read right. a tone i think ridley got a good tone for this Batman's voice. Um, so we are getting to know him. I just feel like it's we Are
0: we getting to know him as Batman?
2: Right. And I, I want to know his relationships. I, I want to know a lot of things about him. So I'll give this to DC right. and Ridley that I'm intrigued, but I, I'd rather be excited than intrigued. And I know sometimes you can be excited and intrigued, but right now I'm I'm just feeling, as I said, a little played with because they've built this up as Big, but they haven't built it up in universe to be big. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, well, they
1: got three more issues to get it done.
2: They do, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. I've, I'm I, I kind of wish we hadn't started with Batman because I'm sort of most I, I had the most expectations for this title. So I, I'm going to sound like I'm not enjoying Future State, but I really am enjoying Future State. So I want to get that out there. I think Future State's exciting. I am excited about this, but I also think. That for me I really have a lot of expectations and I'm working through the process process of adjusting those as we go through because we we knew the idea of future state, but we're being dropped into this very different world and this is like the floundering around in the swimming pool of the story. So I, I just want to preface any you know, criticisms I have with the fact that this doesn't mean I think, oh, man, Future State is the worst. Because I, I know there's a lot of negative buzz as well as positive buzz. There's people like, oh, I'm going to take a break from DC for two, two months. And I'm like, I, I kind of get that. But like, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. And I, I want people to, to try and give it a chance if, if they're willing to. Um, of course, if you know if you're in a tight spot financially or you're just not interested or you're feeling burned out, this could be a good refresher period and we'll come back to you in March with you know the mainstream Batman stuff. But I, I think this is cool to think and talk about, and I am not at all, you know hating on future state. I just have some criticisms and I, I want to sort of have that that nuance in there. I want to do a quick comparison to the previous new Batman. So we have Azrael, we have Dick, who's been Batman. Uh, About three times now, uh, although sometimes very briefly. And then we have uh, Jim Gordon. So how does this Tim Fox Batman compare to our three previous Batman?
0: Oh, I don't know. I've only ever seen Alfred as Batman. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) I've avoided Azrael on purpose. Because I wasn't a fan. One one of, of these the...
2: days, I'm going to have to share the radio drama with uh, Nightfall with you guys. Oh, yeah, it's,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: It's a really good way it's, to get through that story. It pretty good. To read it. Because <laughs> it's a really one, long story.
0: Bunny, bunny Bats, I also avoided because that was Scott Snyder. And then and Dick, I just haven't, I haven't gotten around to that yet.
2: Oh, man, you have
1: to read The Black Mirror, though. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> No, you don't read Black Mirror. <laughs> you just read Grant Morrison's first volume of Batman and Robin and just just watch him and Damien go at each other. Damien tries to kill everybody, of course, and then Dick becomes his best friend. I might you, have you it. Could I just could have do both. You. <laughs> or you could just do Batman and Robin. <laughs> anyway,
2: or you could just do Black Mirror. Um, I, I do what I want. Well, Theo, tell, tell me what you think, because... Um, I assume you've read all three of these guys. Uh, I know you weren't the biggest <clears throat> fan of Jim Gordon, but you have read him.
1: Yes. Um, so, I mean, it, it's still too soon. Um, you know, we're only one issue in, and it, it, it's it's tough making a good comparison just based on, on one issue. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone will compare with you know compare to Dick when Dick was wearing the cowl. Um, but you know we got we, we we still got three more issues of of this story to see what Ridley can do. Uh, but it's it's a little bit too soon for me to make to make a fair comparison.
2: Well I'm not gonna make a full comparison, but here's my initial thoughts. So Azrael was was really unstable because, you know, he was really brainwashed and abused as a child. So he had all these psychoses. And his Batman was extremely sharp-edged because he was thematically a comparison to the antiheroes of the Image Comics of the 90s um, because they were trying to show that Batman could be the better hero without killing or being really edgy, which is hilarious because Batman then became really edgy. <laughs> Tim Fox is not that kind of edgy. He's very much a meat-and-potatoes type of Batman, very street-level, very safe. People rather than be really into the vengeance, and I, I like that he, he, he's socially yes, aware. I, will say, I
0: do like that. I like how just he he seems to want justice and to save people, and I really have been liking that
2: so far. Yeah, I mean he, uh, I mean Ridley's a screenwriter, so you very much I think see this moment where he tells the kids that he's going to take them to child services. And that's like what we call a a pet the dog or a pet the cat moment where you really give the main character a sympathetic moment. And I thought that was that was well handled. Dick Grayson, of course, is just such a complex and likable character and seeing him struggle with the weight of Batman, he felt much more of the the intimidation and you could call imposter syndrome. That's a a common Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the term because it's so overused these days but <laughs> it, it very much fits um dick grayson being batman he felt like an imposter and um Fox has moments it. like that but he doesn't i mean he wasn't as close to bruce so he doesn't have all that weight of history on him so that's kind mm-hmm. of a fresh take on that um and then you have jim gordon who you know was completely outside he never he chose not to know that bruce was batman and so he comes at batman totally from the outside and he's official he's got the weight of the government behind him and you know tim fox is very much still anti-authority if the corrupt cops come after him he can beat him up where jim gordon if he was if corrupt cops were fighting jim gordon you know that was a much more difficult issue so i i think that Ridley has presented Tim Fox Batman in unique ways to the three previous replacements for Batman. So that's why I wanted to, because I had some thoughts as comparing him to those three, even though I do agree with Theo that, of course, there's plenty more to come. But I do think Ridley gave us some moments that we could compare to the previous Batman. What do you think happened with the Fox family? So we know that Tam is in a coma again, which I'm really frustrated <laughs> by because she was in a coma at the end of the New 52. And then she came out of the coma and she was running loose company. I was like, yes, because Tam Fox was one of my favorite parts of Red Robin uh, with Tim Drake. and But now she's in a coma again. I'm like, well, why is she in a coma? Why is Tanya, you know, Lucius's wife and Tim and Tam and um, Tiffany and Luke's mother, why is she working with the magistrate? What do you think has happened here?
0: I have no idea. Yeah, no clue. Just I know that when stuff like this happens, you kind of have to pick your battles, and sometimes people go with what they're familiar with. So I don't, I don't know.
1: We're waiting to see. Yeah, it, it's this is a torn family. Lucia's in in this issue, but I will assume considering the conflicts going on between Luke and Luke and Tim, and then. You know in what mom's going through working working for nakano and and the magistrate that you know Lucius may not be on board with what's going on um and we'll see even more conflict as the issues as the issues you know progress uh but you know most definitely right now this is this is this the these are not the cleavers. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a this is a torn family in, in some real conflict.
2: Yeah, that's a really good description. I think that um, clearly Tanya blames Batman, and I'm not actually a hundred percent sure if it's Bruce Batman or Tim Batman for Tam being in a coma. So I'm assuming that we'll get some answer to that either in this series or in the Dark Detective series, which is sort of a flashback as we'll get to in our second review. Well, technically our fourth review. Um, there's also uh, Luke Fox is in the backup to Dark Detective grifters. And we have little hints of Lucius seems to still be alive. We don't see him, but he's mentioned. But he also seems to be sort of incapacitated in some ways. So maybe that's part of the same... Uh, incident that um, put Tam in a coma as well. So I think there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't have a huge theory other than I'm hoping that it's all connected and that we'll have it revealed. I I wanted to sort of get that information out there because it can get lost uh, in a simple summary. Lastly, what do you think about uh, Nick Darrington's art? We've seen Nick Darrington do Batman in Brian Bendis's Batman universe, and that was a very sort of Silver Age pulp science fiction adventure story. This is uh, classic neo noir, like Blade Runner, very much you know techno punk coloring and really futuristic technology designs. How do you think Nick Darrington's art captures that?
0: I don't know about the futuristic side of it. It seems fairly mundane's not the word at all, but it seems fairly standard Batman technology as far as like even the baddies go. But the colors are so cool. Like, I really like the art in this one. I love the colors. I love the different colors of the different scenes. Like, no scene is really the same, and they each kind of have their own feel and tone, and I really, really liked it. And I liked the, the line art and, and the color blocking. It's just, I don't know. I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I was really taken aback in, in a good way when I first saw the art, especially after, you know, reading some of the issues of uh, Batman Universe. Yes, I actually read a Bendis book. Um, <laughs> make note of that. But yeah, it, it it definitely has some futuristic tones to it that I really enjoyed, and, and it, it 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 made you know that you were you know you were not in the Gotham that you're used to reading. But I definitely enjoyed it. it was great art, great colors.
2: Uh, and the colorist, by the way, for this one is Tamara Bonvillain. Jordi Belair colored two of the stories that we're going to be covering today, and they really worked together. I never got a sense. Uh, In any of the stories that they took place in a different Gotham, Uh, even though we had very different artists and colorists in in these stories and in the greater Gotham stories that we'll touch on, it all felt like it was part of the same world. And I did think it was funny that... (laughs) In every story here, they're fighting or brooding in the rain as the neon-soaked lights <laughs> uh, are around them. And I just thought that was kind of funny. It was very moody, very effective, but perhaps a little unrealistic that so much rain is happening in New Jersey. I I have to admit, I was a little surprised when Nick Darrington was the one announced for this. Because I thought they would go for uh, a David Finch or a Tony Daniel or someone sort of much more... I don't want to say realistic, but, but much, much closer to a realistic style. Nick Darrington has got a very cartoony style, very much like uh, the late lamented Darwin Cook, a really clean line and a really good sense for design um, that I love. And so I'm very excited to see him on this high profile work. And I'm very disappointed that he's not doing any of the other issues. However, This one issue is a great debut, and I think that he does give um, the city and the characters a lot of weight. So, definitely a lot of props for the art from me. Let's move on to our second story of the next Batman Outsiders.
1: Outsiders, written by Brandon Thomas, art by Sumit Kumar. A police chase makes its way onto the Tri-Gate Bridge as Duke Thomas races to reach a barricade set across the lanes. As he and his passengers jump the barrier, a peacekeeper gives chase as his partner attempts to stop him from going outside of the jurisdiction. They're confronted by Katana, who chases them back across the barricade. After ensuring Duke and his passengers were safe and headed to a safe house, Katana goes to investigate rumors that the Magistrate has infiltra- infiltrated the area she has been protecting. Tatsu finds an abandoned building and, after taking out multiple Peacekeepers on multiple levels, comes face-to-face with their former fellow partner, Caliber, who, after receiving some upgrades, is now working with the Magistrate. The two battle back and forth before Caliber gets the upper hand with the arrival of more Peacekeepers. Before he can make a final blow against the downed katana, a bolt of black lightning strikes the ground, taking out Caliper and the Peacekeepers. The Peacekeepers grab the fallen Caliber and they take off in a van, leaving the battered katana alone. Another bolt of black lightning strikes in front of the startled katana, leaving an electrified Jefferson Pierce, the black lightning, in front of her. Scared at the sight in front of her, Tasu instinctively attempts to strike the bean. in front of her. She stopped. Black Lightning has come with a warning. The magistrate has planted a spy amongst the group Duke has rescued.
2: So, what do you think of this outsider's story? It very much feels like a continuation of what Brian... Hill did with the Outsiders book in terms of cast and the relationships between Katana, Duke, and Jefferson. How, how does it work for you?
0: I wasn't loving Katana's metal outfit. Is that always something she's had, or is that from the Outsiders, or is this a, something that's happened during Future State?
2: I think it's a Future State thing because she did oh, not okay. just, like just, that just, in Outsiders.
1: Uh, okay. Yes, yeah, a Future State thing.
0: I really think that was the only thing that really kind of threw me off. I enjoyed this. I liked their relationships. I like that Duke is kind of trying <laughs> to himself, but do the do a right thing. I think that kind of gives him a character development that he didn't maybe have before. I, I kind of gave up on Outsiders, so I kind of knew who Caliper was. Sort of, I had seen him in Outsiders, and like gave up. I really liked the the level, the the splash page with the the different levels that Katana fights herself through. I thought that was really cool. I like that. I really like the art. I like the kind of oh, mystery setup. Oh, what happened to you know Jefferson? Why is he lightning? That's a little weird. <laughs> and you know, is the baddie the guy with the glowing eyes? Probably. I don't know. For for a, for a little backup that I wasn't expecting anything from, I was pleasantly surprised by both the art and the story and the characters.
1: Okay, so make note. This is a second note from Theo of the episode. I absolutely love this story. So, of, of the three stories in this issue, this was actually my favorite, and oh. this this means something considering I absolutely hate Duke Thomas as a character. <laughs> uh, but as oh, Steph really? mentioned, you. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but but as Steph mentioned, you actually got a little bit of character development with him and that is something that you have not seen anybody else do it, you know i had high hopes that that brian hill would have been able to tackle that when he was writing outsiders but that didn't happen but i absolutely loved this story this was this was easily for me the the, the best of the tree again not saying that the other two were bad. They weren't. But this one, this one, this one was the one I enjoyed the most.
2: I hadn't thought about that because, you know, all the attention was on the next Batman story. And I did enjoy the next Batman story. But I think that in terms of a pure craft and character setting, this is, I think, the best done of the stories in this issue. And it is. Uh, Sumit Kumar just does phenomenal work. Um, There's a very famous page from Batman Universe uh, by Bendis and Darrington where Batman and Dick Grayson as Nightwing fight their way through an entire ship of villains. And the scene where Katana goes through an entire house of villains is very much similar in terms of the storytelling. And it's magnificent. It's really wonderfully done. Uh, Sumit Kumar really makes everyone look futuristic, but also appealing and cool. He's got a very good blend of thin lines and good rounded faces it's just really appealing and well-crafted art and and the reveal of the black lightning and uh, maybe it's a bit on the nose to make black lightning literal lightning that is black Black but uh (laughs) it looked awesome so i'm not gonna complain
1: and and, and did it me or did it have a little bit of a of a manga touch to it. Oh, absolutely. You know, w- 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 I mean, this was w- 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 Without the colors, it. of course. But, uh, it, it, I mean, it was just absolutely wonderful.
2: You know, Katana, being a Japanese character, really fits within that. And the whole... Mm-hmm. Const- I mean, sh- for all of Hill's run of Outsiders, she constantly called Jefferson Raiden, wasn't it? She called him the god of lightning for, in Jap- Japanese mythology. <laughs> Correct. So, I you mean, know, this and is and kind and of like never- taking that literally in a... In an awesome but also hilarious way. So I have no idea where this is going to go next. We'll have to wait for two issues because these backups are split between one and three. And then two and four have their own set of backups. But I am very excited for issue three to find out how this wraps up. I really hope that they keep uh, Sumit Kumar on the arc because it's it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to Arkham Knights, the final story of the next Batman.
1: Arkham Knights, written by Paul Jenkins, art by Jack Herbert. In the wastelands of Gotham, four mass individuals take down a magistrate drone. Before they're able to get away, peacekeepers arrive, ready to dish out quick punishment. They're attacked, however, by a group of former inmates of Arkham Asylum, led by Astrid Arkham, the Arkham Knight. As they look to avoid the peacekeepers, they're also looking for another target and it's on the move under the streets of Gotham. As the peacekeepers move in on them, the former Arkhamites, including Zaz, Clayface, Dr. Phosphorus, and Two-Face, follow their leader into the sewers of Gotham, where they find their target, Killer Croc, who's being attacked by magistrate drones. Astrid and the Knights of Arkham rescue the injured Croc and bring him to their base of operations, the place formerly known as Wayne Manor. As Croc kills in stasis, Astrid goes and does her best to confront Dr. Phosphorus, whose radiation continues to worsen and kill him. She promises her soldier that they will find a cure. Back in the wasteland, the peacekeepers led by Peacekeeper 12 are striking terror against the citizens, looking to draw out the knights. Their actions work, and the knights enter the battle. After a valiant fight, The knights triumphantly take out the peacekeepers, including Peacekeeper 12. They leave, heading towards a GCPD precinct. Their new target is there.
2: So I wanted to ask Theo, because this story has been getting either a lot of meh Um, reactions or negative reactions from most of the fans I've talked to or listened to, but you had some unique perspectives in your review. So could you share some of the positives you found in this story for us?
1: No, I think this story was really nice in in my opinion. I think I might be the only person in the Batman universe and who, who did not have a negative take on this story. Yes. Astrid as the Dark Knight is still a dumb concept. When you look at this, when you look at this story and and especially compared to what we got when she was first revealed to us in in the pages of Tomasi's run of, you know, of detective, this story was not bad at all. You know, you probably saw more again, more character development. Of her in these few pages that you got in the entire what four to six issues that the that the Arkham Knight got in in Detective, yes, she's still senile and and crazy, and you know it's still cult like with her soldiers following her. But you got some good development in in this story from what from what how I read it, especially. Especially compared to what we got in detective comics now again, this is of the three story this is the least favorite of mine, but still it it, it was a good story it 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 wasn't again i i I, I must be seeing something different from everyone else uh, because I, I didn't think it was a terrible story at all.
2: I personally wouldn't call this a terrible story. I just was really struggling. I think that the the Arkham Knight story uh, in the Tomasi detective run really biased me against Astrid and she was definitely better here, but it, it feels like a different character. Like I don't see how we got from the Astrid in detective comics to this Astrid, this this Astrid's a good leader concerned about her men. Whereas Astrid in detective comics was a cult leader who liked to sacrifice her men brutally. So I'm just like, this is a very different character. I'm, I'm struggling to see the connection. So the art was strong. It reminded me of Fernando Pazarin, who isn't my favorite, but I've grown to like him more after his work on Deathstroke and Hawkman. I don't have a ton to say, uh, other than I think it's kind of funny that these guys take out Peacekeeper 12, who I think is the lowest ranked of the Peacekeepers. Uh, Most of the Gotham stories have either the presence or the threat of one of the numbered Peacekeepers, 1 through 12, with Peacekeeper 1, of course, being the most terrifying, being the one who killed Batman. So I think it'll it'll be really interesting to put together the different kinds of Peacekeepers and how they are defeated throughout this whole Gotham future state world. Um, Any other comments we have on uh, Arkham Knights before we give our ratings?
0: My dislike for this one was just a lot more personal. Like, my personal flavor isn't giant groups fighting. Like, I didn't really like Suicide Squad. I don't read Justice League. I just don't do well with giant groups. I struggle through Teen Titans sometimes. They're not that many, and Damien's there, so I, I sacrifice. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of the big groups. I don't understand why they're fighting for good. I can understand maybe a few villains Having a good heart, like we've seen Clayface turn turn about. Sometimes we've seen Doctor Phosphorus in the past turn about. But Zaz is a psychopath. He would never fight for saving people. And I hate the Two Face is there because Two Face was turning a new leaf. He wasn't, ugh, and now he's going around killing people. I mean, they're baddies, but, but still. Anyway, I was you, personally offended by this story.
1: But but, but you got you, you, you got to remember, you know. Astrid is is even though she's the daughter of of our good friend Arkham, she easily could have been a patient. And you also gotta remember she was raised around these guys. And, you know, she, she 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 truly feels that her mission is going to save Gotham. You know, she still has this mission of seeing the sun rise over the city, whatever this sun is supposed to be, um, and yeah, what you know,
0: do is wait a few hours.
1: Yeah, and and they and they and they bought into it. You know, they bought into it. I just it. think
0: that so many of them to buy into yeah, it. I,
2: and I have a very specific idea of Zaz, and he is an unredeemable monster. He lives yeah. to kill, and I think that well, Zaz is just too far gone from that.
1: Well, I think I think I think that that's going to be revealed because if you remember, there were a few panels in there where Zaz you know, countered what Astrid was saying, whether she was talking to Harvey, which you know he, you know, says, or oh, he's not one of us, you know, and he he seems like he's going to be the problem child, so I wouldn't be. Shock, nor surprise. If
0: why happen there? Throw him in God. prison. To call us I, think
1: again, I, I think. I think it's gonna. I, 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 again, I think Zaz is a not not necessarily a plant, but he has his he has his own ulterior motive that Astrid doesn't see yet, and once she does it's going to come to blows. I think that's how this is going to end. I think, I think that, you know, you know, I think ultimately all of them with the exception of Zaz, you know, see themselves as doing good. They're protecting the wastelands and, you know, they're gathering more soldiers to continue doing that. But I think in the end, you know, Zaz might re- reveal himself <clears throat> because again, you know, there were those, few panels where he seemed to counter what the leader wanted. Harvey was turning over a new leaf, of course. You know, Croc was turning over a new leaf. Phosphorus, of course, you know, he 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 is who he is. But I think I think in the in, you know, this is a funny group of, of fellas that um that we're, that we're dealing with here. This is, this is a, a different type of suicide squad.
2: <laughs> I think that's a very astute and thoughtful take on the story. I maintain that it still didn't connect with me, <laughs> you, but I think that... You hate it. <laughs> as I said, I don't hate it. I'm trying to think, do I hate any of the stories we're covering today? No, I don't you hate any, any of them. the stories. Huh. Um, this is just definitely my least favorite of anything we're covering, including Greater Gotham. So let's get to our ratings. Out of five Baneletos masks, <laughs> how uh, would you rate the next Batman overall? All three stories.
0: I did like the Baneletos. Uh, sure, 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 sure. I'm gonna have to give it three and a half because the Arkham story kind of drug it down. I love the second story, and the first one was just kind of middle in the road. So that averages to about three, three and a half.
1: I gave it a four uh, in my review on the website. Uh, and And I'm going to stick with that um for the reasons I gave throughout our analysis of the three stories. So four out of five Benito mask.
2: I am also with Steph overall. um, I thought that the second story was very good. Uh, The first story was good, but my expectations mean that it I I think it should have been better because it's supposed to be a big splash. And I think it was more just a a decent story. And then, of course, I just didn't have a very good reaction to the last story. So overall, it's better than average. I would say even significantly better than average, but I wouldn't put it at the uh, four out of five because to me, a four out of five is a very high rating because I I don't remember giving a five. So 3.5... Uh, which I believe gives us an average of 3.75 ish out of <laughs> five Bedelitos masks.
1: Wait, um, you've never given a book a five? I don't think so.
0: I never have.
1: Oh, annual two.
0: That's annual as close, two. I think. Did I give that one a five? I might have given that one a five.
1: I don't annual think Annual two I was definitely was on that a five for No, you weren't. But Annual two was definitely a five for me. That, if, yeah. If.
0: If I didn't, I should have.
1: (laughs) I
2: don't, I don't know. I'm a five to me is just something I, I don't feel. I feel like a five is something that I should give maybe once or twice in my life just because it should be that good. So
0: I've already qualified that a five must have a bat cat wedding. And so I may never give a five.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, there is a bat cat wedding in uh, uh, Brave and the Bold back in the Uh. 70s.
1: And technically there was one in in annual, Two because they were married and had a child. Well,
2: but you have to see the wedding, I think Steph is saying. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. uh, You're going to see the wedding. Okay. Well, they had wedding bands. All
2: right, so let's talk a little bit about reviews and community. Our new website is full of bells and whistles for you to press and subscribe and join our staff and talk to us through Discord or Twitter. So go ahead and do that. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Send us a message at any of our various social medias or at our email, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net if you're a patron please let us know on our patreon page we are tossing around the idea of setting up polls for selecting the tbu extra issues so if you think that'd be a good idea please let us know leave us a review on various services youtube stitcher or itunes and we'll be happy to read your comments and reviews on air next title let's move to our next review which is future state dark detective number one The first story is called Bruce Wayne is a Dead Man, and that's written by Marco Tamaki, drawn by Dan Mora, and colored by Geordie Belair. The timeline of this story shifts between the past and the present. Now, Bruce Wayne wanders the streets of Gotham, presumed dead as both Batman and Bruce. Then he is shot by Peacekeeper One while dressed as Batman. He's sewn up in a back alley by a corrupt surgeon and then in the present Bruce stops a mugging but the magistrate's forces chase him down instead of pursuing the muggers when he sheds his civilian disguise to become Batman uh, but this time a stripped down sort of urban combat Batman instead of the classic look that we're familiar with he's shot in the leg Bruce vows to take back the city using his knowledge of the money and technology that the magistrate took from him so what do we think of our first look at Bruce Wayne in the world of Future State?
0: I love it. It's so gritty and he looks so good in a hoodie and he's got stubble and it looks really cool. But as for the story, um, it was good, too. Uh, it's, it's intriguing. It's like, why? why? I didn't quite understand because he gets shot, but he looks he's. He's Bruce. He dresses up as Bruce with a gunshot wound. And then suddenly he's dressed up as Batman getting treated by the weirdo doctor. I was a little confused by that. Um, but no, I liked it. It's very bright. Very, like you said, kind of techno sheep or whatever. Robot sheep. Whatever that movie was. Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. I know, I know Blade Runner. Um, no, it was very cool. And his, he's still Batman. He's still just ambitious he he would be Batman if he was a paraplegic, so not having money and shot multiple times is not gonna stop him so I liked it and i like I like the feel I like the tone and the voice, and I just want, I'm interested to know where she's gonna go with this
1: yeah this was a this was a good first issue uh seeing Batman but not um I think a lot of what steph says it makes a lot of sense. It's going to be interesting to see how Tamaki, you know, continues and finishes this up over the next three issues. You know, there was some mishaps, you know, there was the, you know, hey, he got shot in the head, got, about to say shot in the head, got shot in the <laughs> leg, you know, next thing you know, he has the cowl on. But it's going to be interesting, you know, I know I said earlier, this is Batman without, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he, operates in this new gotham you know with his with this helmet on so good first issue
2: I also liked the issue although if I, I as I was writing the summary I noticed that really not very much at all happens in the issue there's a lot of monologue in a very nice uh, sort of Bruce voice but it doesn't take up much space so I kind of wish they'd done this as a backup like an actual backup of about 10 pages on the other hand the art was phenomenal i mean one thing i think we can say about future state is they have given us a true delight to the eyes with dan mora and nick Darrington and sumit kumar and then our next story is illustrated by carmine dg uh carmine dg and domenico who I think people will remember from back when I first started on the podcast was drawing the James Robinson detective comics run. And I was consistent in saying, I hate that run, but I love the art because I am a big fan of Carmine. And I think he does fantastic work here too. So this is just a future state that we can look at and just have these beautiful images that the comic artists are serving up for us. What do you think about the comparison between the artists. Does it feel like the same world to you or does it feel like each artist is creating a new future Gotham?
0: Talking about the colors and such or I mean uh not wow. Just the Are whole you thing. talking about all all the all the stories?
2: Well, specifically I want to talk about uh, these the, two the the next Batman and then Dark Detective. So those two title stories
0: right right um the colors the bright colors definitely connect them like i was saying for the next batman i didn't really see all that much in the future maybe i just missed it and if i in that case it was very subtle (laughs) but this one there's definitely a lot more tech like on the walls and flying there's a lot of drones in the sky and you know a lot of billboards for weird future things so in, in the color sense it's very connected i wonder if the presence of technology kind of indicates when the story takes place if they thought could also detailed. be the
2: district that they're in because i think that, that, know, uh, yeah. the next batman really focuses on more of the really run down districts where the people are more desperate mm.
0: it could be but yeah, so, so so the colors really do. I'm not seeing it in the literal drawing of the environment, but definitely in the colors. I don't get a distinctly different feel, though. Like, it's not like being doused with cold water going from one story to the other. It, it kind of, it flows, sort of.
1: Yeah, I, I get the feel that, I get the feel between, between Darrington and Moore that we're in the same Gotham you could you could definitely tell that they're in different areas, you know, between Bruce and, and Tim. But it it's 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 Gotham and, you know, there's the I see the the futuristic pieces throughout both of the stories and the two different issues. So yeah, I can I can see that we're we're in Gotham.
2: I tend to agree. This does feel like different parts of a huge city, but I like the sense of exploring different parts and and seeing different sites, but feeling like I'm still in, you know, my favorite fictional city of Gotham, even though I'd never actually want to live there. This is cool. I am very much looking forward to the next issue to find out how uh, Bruce, you know, becomes, I'm assuming he goes underground. Now, it's possible that this ends in the actual death of Bruce Wayne, but I'm hoping not because I'd like Bruce to still be around. Why would you say that? Say what? Bruce can't die. This
0: is impossible.
2: <laughs> There's no Bruce true died books in, in Annual Number Two. He totally could die.
0: But he, no. <laughs> it's, it's, he also died.
1: You know, fine. let him die. I mean, you know, who died <laughs> instead did?
0: My I thought. You know, what I was thinking. When I was doing this whole stupid thing. I was like, okay, listen, everything's gone to crap. He can go get Selena now. I mean, it can't get any worse. <laughs> At least they could be miserable together.
2: Ah. Well, we'll have to figure right. out what's going on with uh, Selena because she has her yeah, own story. She has uh, her own next story. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to move on to our next story Grifters. Uh, number one, written by Matthew Rosenberg, penciled by Carmine D. Gian Domenico, colored by Antonio Fabella. Febo- uh, the title is No Future Past cole cash the high-tech thief slash mercenary called grifter stabs a man threatening him with a gun over a card game and the gcpd picks him up after a fairly large brawl in the bar and on the streets in custody cole meets luke fox another captive of the police van because of his long gone days as batwing luke convinces cole to break them out which he does in spectacularly difficult improvisational fashion Cole takes Luke to his apartment, where he threatens Luke for the real reason he wants to get out of Gotham. Luke refuses to say, but gives Cole $50,000. On their way out of the city, they run into the Black Mask Syndicate and flee in a hail of bullets right into the Huntress's home. So, like the previous story in this issue, this feels like it's a bit more there there is a lot more action. So a lot of the page space is used up in in gunfights. But I feel like it's Cole is not super strategic. He's just kind of throw a bunch of bullets and running and punching until you get out of the situation type of fighter. He's very much not Batman. So it it felt a little aimless at times and could have been tightened up a bit. So I almost wish these two stories had been backups to the next Batman and maybe release Outsiders and Arkham Knights as their own issue. I don't know. I have a theory that all this stuff was actually going to be a bunch of two-issue miniseries, but they decided to package them as larger issues to sort of get readers used to the idea of anthology issues and backups for their initiative in March. But what did you guys think of Grifters?
0: It was the bromance I never knew I needed. This was absolutely fabulous. Like, Yeah, the action might have been aimless, but I think there's, like, relationship building in there. Like, although Luke's knocked out for most of the escape uh, because he hit him too hard. But I thought it was absolutely delightful. The art is just so much fun. The banter is so much fun. The chaos is so much fun. I think that the space taken up was totally worth it. And I I enjoyed reading this. And he's kind of like like a non I guess he is he smokes but a less smoking more American Constantine sort of but I like him I liked him a lot I still don't know what grifter's deal is or who he is but I I like him
2: well this is very similar in character to the last series I read by Rosenberg which was um Hawkeye Freefall for Marvel Mar- uh Rosenberg does a ton of stuff for Marvel, but apparently he's not exclusive. Hawkeye, Clint Barton in that series, is very much a fast-talking, improvisational guy who gets in over his head and then just shoots until he gets out. And so I think Rosenberg kind of developed a flair for that. And he's always been a really good, witty dialogue writer. So I definitely agree with you there. There's a lot of good relationship building
1: between Cole and Luke. Um, Theo, what do you think? It's... it's, it's is it ironic or coincidence that in both of these books that we reviewed this week, that the second story turns out to be the best story of, of, <laughs> of the issue? Cause this was, this was absolutely great. I love this story. Yeah. There's, de- there's definitely a bromance brewing between, between Grifter and, and, and Luke. If there was one thing that, that, drew me off. and, and, And I guess once future state is over, we'll have to figure out where things fit in is that, you know, just the week before in reading the next Batman, you know, Luke is at the hospital holding Tam's hand. And now here it is, you know, he's, he's under arrest and, you know, needing help to get out of Gotham. So it's going to be interesting to see how these how these stories stack up in the timeline of of future state. But it was it was absolutely a great story, and, and it was absolutely wonderful seeing Huntress at the end of it. You know, I know as we go into March and we get back into you know the the present with with the with the two main books. You know, uh, Dan Moore has a cover with with the Huntress. In it, and so you know, seeing, seeing, her in this story as it ended, means that she is likely to have some, some prominence, prominence, um, once we get back to the present time in in March. But this was again, absolutely great story. It, it, it was my favorite one of this issue.
2: I would agree. I think this was a much punchier story, and just because there's actual interaction between Cole and Luke, whereas Bruce is almost always by himself or kind of in his own head in Dark Detective. Grifters was just high octane, and I mean I've already gone embarrassingly at length about how much I love Carmine's art, but the the way he draws the gun battles with uh just the flashes and it's almost like confetti, but it's like deadly. So it's just this sense of menace but also beauty in the action. And I am I'm a huge Huntress fan. She's been gone for so long. I think the last thing Huntress was really, I mean, she's popped up a couple times in like a background shot or in detective comics. She was like in a panel in one of the stories, but actually in a story last time was in Constantine, uh, the Hellblazer by Tim Seeley. And that was like three years ago. I want to say maybe two years ago, but it's been a long time. And so having her back, I am very, very excited to see what happens both in this story and in Detective Comics because Dan Mora drew her on the cover of the first issue of Detective Comics in March. And so I think it's really cool that in Dark Detective, even though it's not by the team that's going to be writing, that they seem to have lined up that character so she's going to be in Dark Detective and then transitioning to Detective Comics. So that's really kind of... It just feels really clever the way the editorial have positioned this story to lead into March. So, very excited. Let's give...
0: Well, uh, hold on. I do want to talk about that a little bit. Like, yeah. do you, I don't know. Do you really... Th- I guess I'm just talking to someone who's thrice bitten so much shy. <laughs> do you do you think that they've actually plotted it all out and all the books are working together and that we'll, Luke being in two places I... it really makes sense because of the timeline?
2: I do. The reason I say that is because I read this uh, very illuminating interview with Mariko Tamaki, and she said that the Batman books for Future State are a real machine. Like, they have this whole where things slot in and come out and interact thing going on with the books, and I can see the beginnings of that. Now, I can't tell you how it all works together yet because we've only seen the first two or three weeks of these stories, so a lot of them are still spinning up but I can sense that there's a coordination going on here. And so I do think that it's on purpose.
1: Okay. I I, I would agree. I, 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 you know, as we got through these, these first two weeks, you know, like I said, the, the grifter story really drew me off considering the week before we saw Luke, Mm -hmm. you know, walking freely in a hospital. But, um, you know, as, as reviewers, you know, we get to see, Preview issues, and you kind of get a better feel of where they're going with Future State. And I definitely think, you know, by the time it all is said and done, uh, we'll we'll will be able to get get this get this overall story together. At least I hope we can, to where we can, you know, go in and pick out all of the stories, not just the main one, but the backups as well, and see how. They fit together, you know, and, you know, perhaps even do put them in, in chronological order so that it can it can make a lot more sense.
2: All right. See, so... When it's
0: collected, they'll put it in chronological order.
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Probably uh-huh. not, but maybe because I hear they are doing bigger trades for future state. Mm. Uh, you I don't know.
1: That'll be very curious. No. It will. Note to, note to DC, you know, do us a favor and make that happen. That,
2: <laughs> that would be really cool. I think that would actually be a very exciting thing for fans. Let's give a rating out of five masks. So Grifter, of course, wears a mask and he forces uh, Luke to wear a blindfold. So out of five masks, what do we give Dark Detective as a whole?
0: I really, really liked it. And I know I know, Dark Detective was kind of lack. King dialogue and plot progression, (laughs) but it wasn't bad. Like, I think I enjoyed both of them very much. I think I might give this a four out of five just because of how much I really liked the grifter story, and I wasn't disappointed by the first one. So, I give it a four.
1: Yeah, it's most definitely a four for me. I mean, it's a four for me just on the art alone. Um, but again great story with the grifter and, and Luke in a pretty decent story by Tamaki, uh, with Bruce. So most definitely four out of five,
2: I am going to do something that because I'm running the podcast now, I am going to allow myself to do. Um, and that is, I'm giving this a 3.75 because I can't <laughs> quite bring myself to give it a four. Um, I'm much more interested in endings than beginnings, but this is really good. And I do think it was more enjoyable overall than next Batman and, uh, terrible. the, the backup. That's for terrible. It's um, terrible. terrible. <laughs> so I can't give it a 3.5, but I am going to give it a 3.75, which I think gives this a 3.9. Nine. Nine. Uh, it's four. That's
0: a four, dude. It's four.
2: You can yeah, round afraid. if you want, but I refuse. <laughs> um, so that gives us, uh, um, let's see, what's it called? A mode of four for <laughs> Dark Detective. Let's talk a little bit about Greater Gotham. We just have two issues that we decided were relevant to um, Greater Gotham this, for these two weeks, and that was Future State... Harley Quinn, written by Stephanie Phillips, and then Future State Robin Eternal, written by Megan Fitzmartin, drawn by Eddie Barrows. Um, What do we think of Harley Quinn?
0: I loved the art. I was a pretty big fan of the story. And the more I got into it, the more I just, I love seeing psychologist Harley. And so, where she's kind of brought to this point where the only thing that she was kind of allowed to do (laughs) because she's tied to the chairs, be a psychiatrist, and she can't help herself. It's interesting. It was interesting. I I very much liked it. I'm a huge fan of anime, and the art was just so anime-style, manga-anime-style. I'm super disappointed that it's a Black Mask story, but I guess because of the movie right now, we can't really divorce Harley from Black Mask, but... (gasps) Uh, I was good. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> the art saved this issue. The, the art was wonderful. The story for me was pretty meh. Uh, but again, you know, I am, I am the unqualified uh, great Harley hater here. Uh, so you know, unless it's unless it's, Harleen. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't a fan of this again, but I am. I am quite biased uh, as as not being a fan of Harley Quinn, but the art was beautiful.
2: I'm kind of weird in that I really like the story. Um, this is basically Silence of the Lambs with uh, Harley Quinn as uh, Hannibal. Ah. Lecter.
0: Lecter.
2: Yeah. yeah, and uh, Scarecrow as uh, Clarice, which is kind of a weird <laughs> flip in so many ways because Scarecrow is the actual you know serial killer uh, bad guy psychologist, whereas Harley is also a, a bad guy psychologist, but she's not nearly as into the, the death and destruction usually, at least especially not these days. I've become more of a fan, especially since I, I did reviews for Harley for quite a while. Um, And I'm still doing reviews for the White Knight Harley, which I would recommend. This art confused me because there was a lot of stuff that was really beautifully drawn, but it was framed in such a way that it felt off kilter and my eyes didn't know where to go in the frame. So I, I was visually confused while I was still enjoying the story. And I'm very excited to see what happens next, because Harley's clearly gotten herself where she wants in this stage of her plan. She's gotten a lot of privileges. So now I want to know, we're assuming she gets free, but what is she going to do? What is her goal in that freedom? So there's a lot of really cool motivational stuff in this. And this is the author, uh, the writer, but not the artist who's going to go on to do the Harley Quinn series. So I'm very curious to see how that goes, and whether or not the harley queen series in march is going to be in continuity because the last series by sam humphreys and the connor Palmiotti team was not in continuity that was very wacky and uh, breaking the fourth wall so it didn't really fit into mm. continuity on purpose i'm wondering if stephanie phillips is going to really put this in continuity um which would be a new state for the harley series yeah i was i was a fan of this uh even though the art didn't quite work as well for me uh, let's talk a bit about Robin Eternal. This is starring Tim Drake with supporting characters, uh, Stephanie Brown as Spoiler slash Batgirl, and Darcy, who is a member of the We Are Robins. Now, I checked. She's not an, uh, uh, one of the original members, but there were huge scenes where all the Robins got together. So we're assuming she's one of those. What did you think of Robin Eternal?
0: Of the four we read, like the four books we read, this was my least favorite. Is this the guy that did the... um? A lot no. of the art for
2: uh, sure, sure, sure,
0: A lot of the art for uh, Detective Comics. Yes, he was uh, the main yes.
2: artist for Detective Comics.
0: I didn't like that art. I don't no. like this art. No, I can't stand it. Tim looks so funky. All the faces look like distorted. Well, I don't. He's
1: old. He's older. Steph, <laughs> come on. <laughs> You shouldn't be
0: coloring if you're having a stroke or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) A stroke? (laughs) I don't know if you're old. What's your excuse? I don't know. I was not a fan. It's not my favorite. I can understand that people like it. It's not my cup of tea. It's the reverse of the Harley one. I absolutely adored the Harley one. And, 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 you know, you guys didn't. That's okay. We are allowed to be different. But I liked the characters. I, yeah, had no idea who Darcy was. She was kind of... I well, felt she's a, a brand little new bit character, like I. Should... So nobody knew. Okay, good. Okay, good. But yeah, it was kind of interesting. Uh, resin is very stinky, and you should not be around liquid resin without a gas mask, so they're going to die. But other than that.
2: <laughs> oh, another <laughs> it... thing I should mention is that um, Darcy is deaf. So actually, Tim uses some sign language in some of the scenes, mm-hmm. which I really liked.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a lot of personality and character beats, and the plot was kind of meh. It's like, oh, uh, resin made from rose juice. This is great, but what?
2: <laughs> Ros what's, what's the Ros juice. What's rose
0: Ros Ros juice? What's rose juice called again?
2: Lazarus Pit.
0: <laughs> Lazarus Pit juice. Rose juice. Like... Oh,
2: that's classic. <laughs> okay.
0: But it, it was it a little, it was a little much for me. But it was, it was still enjoyable. I still, I don't really It wasn't a bad read at all. It just wasn't my favorite of the four.
1: Okay, so fans. It would behoove me if you all don't get rose juice trending uh after this do episode it. drops do it. do it I love this story this was this was a fun book so again of all the robins Tim is probably my least favorite but this was an absolute great issue and you know the portrayal of Tim in this book as Robin was done damn near perfectly. And I absolutely loved it. I loved Eddie Barrow's art, but again, I also loved it when he was on detective (laughs) stuff, but yeah, the, the entire idea of, you know, Tim's particular mission as we go through future state in Gotham, and and it seems like you know each character is, is is tackling a a different part of the conglomerate that that is the magistrate. But this particular one seems to be quite exciting. It's going to be interesting to see how things move forward between him and Steph because it seems like those two aren't together. Uh, when you when you go through that dialogue, but th- the story and the way it ended—not to spoil it—but the way the, the the story ended was absolutely great. Uh, I'm I'm actually you know can't wait for the next issue to to come out. But yeah, great story, great art.
2: I I do understand where Steph is coming from. I found eddie barrows a little of bit of an acquired taste but i did acquire him i've gone back and read his nightwing written by kyle higgins back in the new 52 and of course i was a huge fan of detective comics and so i i'm very familiar with him and there are some things that i'm just like i wouldn't draw that if i could draw as well as eddie barrows but eddie barrows has you know his tastes and he's really good at getting these dark action scenes like sometimes when he's doing some of the more tender moments, it can be a little odd, but this is a dark story. And I think it really works for that. And he even does get some good tender moments between Tim and Darcy and some emotional, awkward moments between Tim and Steph. And I particularly like how (laughs) Megan Fitzmartin, who's a writer for the Supernatural television show, and she also does a really fun podcast called Wine and Comics, where she reads comics and drinks wine, uh, appropriately named. And she just gets Tim's character he's very loyal he has a real tunnel vision about heroism where he you know loses a sense of self-preservation and just goes in for the the victory to save people Um, he's very awkward around Steph he doesn't know the right thing to say so he does dumb stuff which I think is very appropriate for Tim and I just for a brand new writer to comics to get Tim so well and she does a really good job with Steph and she creates this brand new character of Darcy who I really liked I I was really impressed. I was very excited, and I was, of course, uh, inclined to like it because I love Tim and I love Steph. But I was impressed. I'm very excited to see what happens. I hope that Tim, Steph, and Darcy can have a major victory in uh, decreasing the magistrate supply of these massive war droids. And it's possible that this happens relatively early because— we haven't seen any of these big war droids fighting uh, the forces of Batman and the the heroes so far. So it's possible that Tim was successful and took out the supply of big droids, so that they only have their peacekeeper forces. The cyphers, the, well, the
1: cyphers, the cybers, cybers. cybers. What they call them. cybers is yeah. what
2: I called them. Did, did Unless it takes place
0: ahead, and- I mean later.
2: I mean, it could also happen later, but I'm I'm wondering it could happen either way. I mean, it could happen just before the big climax or it could happen early on. So it takes out some of their, their bigger guns so they can't bring them to bear. So greater Gotham uh, so far has been quite good. Uh, Worth checking out worth collecting uh, just really good art. Even if you may not be a fan of one or the other, as we had voices that didn't really appreciate them, but they were skillful. I definitely think that all of us appreciate the, there was skill, even if it wasn't to our taste, But yeah, Greater Gotham and Gotham in general seems like it's really a fun place to be during Future State for readers. Not for the people in the stories, let's be clear. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, let's get to listener feedback.
1: Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now.
2: This needs my attention. On the Discord, uh, we had several uh, feedbacks and bits of conversation. Uh, So Daniel Goldberg... Mentioned, uh, Hey, Ian, thanks for the shout out on episode 313 regarding his disdain for Bengal's art. If it wasn't clear, I actually really did like number 104 a lot, especially considering number 104 and number 105 in tandem. I thought the entire closeout to this arc was just fantastic. Uh, so thank you. We had a really good Twitter conversation uh, with Theo and I and Daniel. About this issue because there were three different artists and it was sometimes very jarring. Uh, but I think Theo and I appreciated the art, whereas Steph and Daniel didn't like that very much. So you were not alone, Daniel. <laughs> um, and I also really enjoyed the way the characters worked together and it all flowed into 105 as a conclusion. I asked a question in the podcast channel. Uh, uh, this is me, by the way. Uh, do people think that the return of Dick Grayson makes the Uberic storyline worthwhile? Uh, Theo mentioned that it was too early to tell. Daniel said that I'm dubious. And Tony mentioned that the Dan Juergens stuff was all right. I think he did a decent job given the story points the previous writer gave him. The Nightwings were decent. Their plots, I think, were more interesting than Uberic. And I would agree with all those things. I think it is yeah. too early to tell. Um, I am also kind of dubious. I don't think it was worth spending nearly two years on Uber Rick. Um, but I also agree with Tony that the Nightwings were fun. I liked getting to know them. I thought they were cool guys and definitely more interesting than Uber Rick. I was <laughs> um, so, uh, a
0: upset when he broke up with B. Because at least B was like a connection to that. And it was like, okay, so at least maybe it wasn't totally for waste. And then they break up and he goes out to be without her and it's like okay so like no there's literally nothing of uber rick left it was a waste of time and
1: and here's my thing about those two breaking up i i would have been okay with them breaking up if they just had an argument and you know what i'm done i'm out but the rationale behind dick breaking up with her It's a total crock. It's a cop-out to use Bruce's excuse, you know, that, that, that you can't be who you are and be happy and and being that. I just think that's, that's a total cop-out considering the, the person Dick Grayson has always been. And for them to just throw that as the reason for he and he and B to no longer be together. That, that was just a, a cop-out for me. I, I I would have rather have seen her get killed than to just use that as an excuse for them to not be together anymore. I just think it was sloppy. Just sloppy.
2: All right. If you have opinions about UberRick or about Future State, please let us know. Reach out to us on Discord. We're always uh, checking that. Um, hit us up on Twitter. We're Our handles are all in the uh, show notes for this episode. And we're also available, as previously mentioned, at the email, tbu at net. So feel free to send us any questions you have, and we'll be happy to read them on the program. We are also very grateful for our patrons and supporters. Uh, Patrons at the level for the shout-out are Gerald Green, Joshua Lapin-Bertoni, Rob O., Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Stephanie Mouse, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Theodis Wright, Hannah Garr, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, and Brendan Roberts. Thank you all for your support. You help us to keep giving you this new season, season 13, starting with a four-episode Future State opening. So, we will see you Next time, I've been Ian, Steph, and this is Theo. Thank you for listening, and come back for more Future State.